everyone. It's been far too long since we've had a chance to chat and get together, and I do apologize for that, but the last month at least has been a roller coaster ride whirlwind for me. We've been doing a lot of traveling, looking at different parts of the country, keeping up with the events, but not being in one place long enough to really settle in and be able to bring a podcast to you, but we hope that has now come to an end and we'll be back in productive form. Well, the fertilizer has really been hitting the fan in this country since the last time we spoke. Things of an unprecedented nature have been going on. But before we get to that, as always, welcome to the Jamie Dury Show. I'm your host, Jamie Dury. Uh, If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of three easy ways. You can download the free Podbean app, which is our hosting service, available either in the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store. Or you can simply use your native podcast aggregator app, your Google Podcast app for you Android users and your Apple Podcast app for you iPhone users, and simply search out the Jamie Dury Show podcast, click subscribe, and you can join us that way. Either way you choose, you'll be updated all the time when a new episode has been uploaded to the platform. You'll be able to leave comments. You'll be able to leave reviews, and we desperately would like some more positive reviews and comments. The more we get, the faster the show will grow. And as always, you can always email me directly if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a question you'd like me to address or anything or ask at Jamie. Dury1776 at gmail.com. That's Jamie Dury1776, the number is 1776 at gmail.com. But right now, by now, there isn't anyone, particularly of a conservative nature, but conservative or liberal notwithstanding, that isn't aware of the banana republic-like conduct of our government in recent months, culminating in the horror of actually having the home of a former president, and not just a former president, but the previous president, raided by the FBI, stormed, if you will, private property taken, Things they're not entitled to seized and then cloaked in ambiguity and secrecy by the Attorney General Merrick Garland, who seek who sought rather not to have any information regarding the nature of the warrant released. Only when a special minder was authorized are we going to get some some answers. But apparently, in addition to Uh, Items that they said they were looking for, uh, national security items, if you want to believe that threadbare excuse. They also seized the president's tax returns. They seized his passport. They see, I don't think they seized his passport, but they did seize um, some other personal uh, items from his safe that had nothing to do, nothing whatsoever to do with what they were looking for. Now, if they should find anything, in these things, since these things were not listed in the warrant, you probably would have a fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine uh, being invoked 
by the court preventing them from using that information against the former president. But be that as it may, and regardless of that, the very notion that we would weaponize agencies of the federal government to go after political opponents, and that's all this was, uh, is disgusting. There is no question, and people should be very, very clear about this, the Democratic Party, every facet of it, walks every day in mortal fear of Donald Trump. Why? Because they fear what will happen to them and their party if Donald Trump ever regains the White House. Because having already served one term and freed from any need to curry favor with anyone in order to get a second term that he cannot be elected to, Donald Trump can conduct himself completely unfettered by any restraint whatsoever and do what needs to be done. And now that he's been there once and has already seen where the problems are and who the traitors are, he could eliminate them. Because there is no question about it, ladies and gentlemen, there is treason going on at the highest levels of government. Our FBI is corrupt. And look, I understand about big organizations. I know that very often you can't paint the entire organization with one brush. I'm sure there are many honest, hardworking, dedicated field agents working in the FBI at various offices all over this country. But I'm also aware that the very highest level of the FBI, the director, the assistant director, people that run very particular sensitive units, are filled with political hacks that are using their position to foist their views of what they feel should be right for this country on the rest of us. We saw this with that piece of garbage Peter struck when he was having his little fling with his attorney gal that worked for the FBI, how they were going to prevent. He, he took it upon himself to single-handedly protect the American public from a potential Donald Trump presidency. And so they invented this Russia hoax. They have infected every aspect of the media with this hoax. They paid for fraudulent information. They falsified applications before the FISA court. They defrauded judges into getting them to do their will to serve their own political ends. They weaponized the federal government against a presidential candidate, and then they continued to weaponize that government against the duly elected president. And now, having used all powers of the media, having been in cahoots with people like Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and other social media platforms, having the support of the ever-growing leftist communist media, which has become inseparable from the Democratic Party itself, they stole, and make no mistake about it, they stole an election in 2020. And if anyone doubts that, I advise you to look at the many scholarly articles that have been written by people who have studied presidential elections since the beginning of this union. There are several metrics, some 30-odd mathematical metrics, which can pretty much reliably predict if a man will be elected president or re-elected president. All of those Donald Trump had going away, running away, Every single one of them. 
And they were telling this all along, and I said this to you in many of my broadcasts leading up to the election, that they were setting us up when they said on Twitter, don't be worried on election night. It may look like Donald Trump is winning, but when all those mail-in ballots come in, he will have lost. Well, not really. It wasn't when all those mail-in ballots came in that Donald Trump would lose. It's when all those fraudulent, phony, manufactured mail-in ballots came in that Donald Trump would lose. Six states in which Donald Trump was leading simultaneously decide to stop counting. Never been done before in the history of the country. No states ever stopped counting. And now, magically, the six highly contested states where Donald Trump is leading, they all decide to simultaneously stop counting. And then miraculously, votes flood in in the middle of the night. We have cameras that confirm this was done illegally in Georgia. And now we have a Freedom of Information Act request by a voter watch group that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Pennsylvania was stolen. I'm sorry, not Pennsylvania. I'm sure that Pennsylvania was stolen, but the state I meant to say was Arizona. was absolutely stolen. A Freedom of Information Act request sent to the elections uh, board for the county Maricopa in Arizona asked what were the number of ballots that were coming into the office in the days leading up to Election Day. Now, I mentioned this in one of my previous broadcasts, but since I've been away for a while, I want to reiterate as part of this discussion as we continue to move forward. The state of Arizona made it very clear to its citizenry that if they expected their mail-in ballots to be counted, they should make every effort to get them to the election office by 7 p.m. election evening because any ballot that was received after that time would not be counted and would be considered illegal and null and void. Accordingly, they encouraged everyone to mail their ballots in by the 25th of October. So this organization wisely requested Freedom of Information Act requests about the number of ballots that were received by the County Elections Board every day from October 25th right up to Election Day. And they received something like 15,000 ballots on the 25th and maybe 12 on the 26th. And so the ballot total began going down and down as you got closer to Election Day because as it gets closer and closer to Election Day, more and more people realize that "Ah, it's probably not going to reach it in time, so more and more people are inclined not to mail it in or maybe just go in person in the alternative. So by the time we got to Election Day itself, only about 1,000 ballots were coming in. So this steady decline. And then they had a thought. Now those requests were answered rather quickly. But then they had a thought, as I said. How many ballots came in the day after Election Day and the day after that? Took them months to get an answer. Nobody wanted to answer it. Because it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, that the day after Election Day in 2020, the Maricopa County Elections Office received 18,500 ballots, having only received 1,000 the day before. And the day after that, they received an additional 2,000. That's 20,500 ballots that came in after 7 p.m. on Election Day, which should legally have made them null and void and not be able to be counted. But only 934 of them 
or disqualified. Now, are you telling me that none of us have a right to question these elections when 19,500 ballots that never should have been counted were counted in a state where the margin of victory was only 10,500 ballots? We have every right to challenge it. And people are beginning to see this. People are beginning to realize this because as with all things that are significant in our lives, the passage of time from an event allows us to better put it in perspective. You can't really analyze or look at everything um, significant that's happened in your life uh, at the moment it happens. It takes a while, sometimes years, for it to all sink in. Well, it's sinking in, and it's sinking in very well. And now it culminates in the President of the United States, former President of the United States, having his home raided. Biden gave a speech where he condemned Trump. He condemned the MAGA Republicans. There's an article here. Former President Donald Trump has made several calls on his platform, Truth Social, for new elections recently to be held or the overturning of the 2020 election, given allegations of interference by the intelligence community. These calls were echoed by his former aide, Steve Bannon, who also floated the idea of a contingent election. Well, ladies and gentlemen, is this still not the United States of America? Do we not still have the First Amendment and freedom of speech? I submit to you we do not. Because if you go on many of these platforms, like I do when I try to co-podcast or co-publish some of these podcasts on YouTube and on Facebook, many of them are blocked. Facebook may not give it any circulation. YouTube takes them down, saying I'm violating their their uh, policy on um, false reporting. Like if I deny climate change or I say the 2020 election was stolen, I'm making fake news. See, So they say because it's not truth that they deem truth, the First Amendment doesn't apply and you can't say it. Now, if these people want the power to regulate free speech when they become so inextricably connected to our society where we can't get information of this magnitude any other way, they need to be regulated like every other um, news agency. They can't be allowed to get away with this. But in the days following the statements of Trump and Bannon, we saw the very manifestation of evil in our government. Biden said there are people who sought to overturn an election and said his speech would address the power we have in our own hand to meet these threats. Oh, yes, power in his hand. Almost immediately after, Bannon was arrested in New York State. And he also said that 35 Trump aides had also been raided within the same time frame, including the president himself, the 45th president, that is. Would you have ever thought you would have seen such a thing? I would be shocked and offended if they did this to Barack Obama. And I couldn't stand 
Barack Obama as a president. But he was the president, whether rightly or wrongly, he was the president and served two terms. You can't simply treat him like any other thug or criminal because we have a banana republic. Now, if Hillary Clinton had been elected president, I might say the same thing about her. But she never has been elected president, and she needs to pay for her crimes, and they are numerous. We now know, thanks to the work of Durham, that she was part of the same cabal. They were all trying to take down Trump. Obama knew everything she was doing. She knew everything Obama was doing. They were paying for false information. They paid to have that fake dossier done. And they continue to toe the line. And this is incredible. And it only could be gotten away with because the media is complicit in this. They continue to toe the line of accusing conservatives, Republicans, and Trump of things that they are not doing, but that they are doing, the Democrats. People are trying to overturn an election. People are challenging an election. Really? This is something new? This is something unique to conservatives and Republicans? Let's flip the pages back a few, shall we? Who was it in 2000 that was going ballistic claiming the 2000 election was stolen with these hanging chads when Florida went to George W. Bush? I believe those were Democrats, were they not? And no one bothers to mention that if Al Gore had been able to carry his own home state of Tennessee, he wouldn't have needed Florida, but that's another story. And in 2004, there were voices not quite as loud, but loud enough, urging then-presidential candidate on the Democratic ticket, John Kerry, to change the election result, claiming they didn't believe that Bush won, even though he was leading in the popular vote. It was they who began pushing the electoral route, saying, oh, maybe Ohio isn't his, maybe we can win the Electoral College and get in. And then we have this rather plump and rotund gap tooth lunatic from Georgia, Stacey Abrams, walking around like she's the de facto governor of Georgia, as if she won. When, in fact, she lost quite handily by 50,000 votes. So challenging elections is not something that the Republicans, conservatives, or Donald Trump started. It's something that the Democrats have been doing for quite some time. There's also no equity or equality in the dispensation of justice in this country. If you are a liberal, a communist, a minority, you get away with almost anything. And if you do get arrested, you're sprung pretty quickly while you're awaiting trial. If you're a conservative, on the other hand, you're interred forever. What's going on with the people in the January 6th protest is disgusting. The very notion that the media gets away with continuing to call this a riot, given the billions of dollars of property damage and lives lost (coughs) during the George Floyd protests, is disgusting. The only person who lost their life in the January 6th protest, and I will not call it a riot, was Ashley Babbitt the former Air Force servicewoman who was gunned down by that cowardly lieutenant in a manner not in keeping with any justification for the use of deadly physical force that I am aware of. A contemptible swine. And if 
a Republican gets elected in 2024 and the Justice Department goes back into Republican hands, that investigation should be opened and that man should be prosecuted, tried, and convicted. And there is still more. Recently, there was an uh, incident in a place that you might not expect. It was in North Dakota. Now, you all saw what happened when George Floyd died in police custody. Now, it doesn't matter to people that George Floyd was something the world could have done without. It doesn't matter that George Floyd earlier in his life, held the gun, a loaded gun, to the stomach of a pregnant woman during a home invasion, for which he only received five years, I believe. It doesn't matter that he had every drug on board that you could possibly imagine when he was um, being arrested by the police, that he was psychotic. And it doesn't matter when you, that when you read the medical examiner's report, despite the fact that it is not in dispute that Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck. It is also not in dispute, according to the medical examiner, that that knee on his neck had absolutely nothing to do with his death. It did not cause his death. It did not contribute to his death. Therefore, the fact that his knee was on his neck is of no consequence in terms of holding Derek Chauvin responsible for his death. But justice doesn't matter. We have to put Derek Chauvin in prison because it keeps the mobs. It keeps the mobs in check. If we release him, there'll be more riots. So now we're being held hostage to mob justice. That's what it comes down to. But the mob justice doesn't apply when conservatives are killed. Here we have an 18-year-old boy by the name of Kaler Ellingson, a man, a 41-year-old man by the name of Shannon Brandt, admitted to hitting this 18-year-old boy with his car, running him down, all because of this teenager's conservative views. That's it. Nothing he did to him, nothing he said to him is conservative views. He was released on a $50,000 bond, 10% cash alternative, $5,000. He killed him with his car, and he left the scene. And he's out. And who knows if he will return. I'm looking at this smug son of a bitch, and I would like to go to work on him with a baseball bat for what he did. But that's just me, as a father, knowing how I would feel if my son with the one that was run over. In fact, this boy has a certain resemblance, facial structure-wise, to my son. His hair is a little different, but reminds me of him. Actually, personally, uh, if it was my son, I would probably be happy that he was out on bail because I could get to him and hunt him down. You're not supposed to say that, but there are certain things that just have to be done, and defending your family is one of them. So we can destroy a country when a piece of human garbage like George Floyd dies in the hands of the police and an objective view of the evidence shows that it really wasn't Derek Chauvin's fault as bad as it looked. 
it wasn't Derek Chauvin's fault because the medical examiner said so. Homicide is a very, very unique sort of crime. I've said this before on shows, but I'll reiterate it again for the benefit of those who did not hear me say it on previous occasions. You need two things to prove a homicide in this country. The first thing you need to have is causation. If you can't get past causation, anything else you can prove is immaterial. Meaning, I'll make it in a little simpler way. Meaning that if you have someone who was shot with a gun by person A, and that person dies, it doesn't matter a hill of beans if you have a hundred witnesses that can say they saw this man shoot this dead person. And it doesn't matter a hill of beans if ballistics can say, yes, the bullet that the medical examiner pulled out of the body of the dead person definitely came from this gun that this man fired, that everybody saw him fire, that the police found him in possession of. It doesn't matter a hill of beans if the medical examiner cannot tell you to within a reasonable degree of medical certainty that it was the gunshot that killed him. If he was shot and then somebody else ran up behind him and stabbed him and the stab wound is what's determined to have killed him, the person shooting can't be charged with homicide. Now applying that to the Derek Chauvin case, yes, the prosecution will have absolutely no difficulty proving that Derek Chauvin knelt with his knee on George Floyd's neck. But if the medical examiner states, and he has, that this was not a factor in the man's death, it is of no consequence. Yes, you can charge him with assault, maybe, if it caused an injury to his neck. Yes, you can certainly charge him with assault. But unless you can show that he knelt down there with his knee on his neck with the intent of killing him, you can't even charge him with attempted murder. The most you can charge him with is assault. And I'm told by many members of the New York City Police Department that in the early days of AIDS, when we still didn't know a lot about the disease or how it was transmitted, that members of the New York City Police Department assigned to the Narcotics Division when they were arresting heroin addicts and the like, would do just that to these people. Because these people infected with AIDS, despite being mentally unbalanced because the disease was affecting them, and maybe they were mentally unbalanced to begin with, and felt they had nothing to lose, would, if given the opportunity, turn around and spit in the faces of these officers. So, we won't want to take a chance of something like that touching a mucous membrane like in your eye or hitting perhaps an open cut or something you might have, a shaving cut in your face, nothing. People were very, very afraid in the early days. They didn't know just how contagious or not AIDS was. And so they would do this in order to keep the person from turning his neck and spitting at them. So we have a complete devolution of society. We have elections being stolen. There's no question about that. We have people telling you you're nuts when you suggest they're being stolen. We have people being arrested and held incommunicado and not tried and given draconian sentences because they went into a building. That's all they did. 
I don't care if it was the Capitol or not. They went into a building, and it's the people's building. They didn't kill anyone, and they did a minimal amount of property damage. This guy runs over an 18-year-old boy, wipes him out in the prime of life, admits to doing it. No ambiguity here. He gets released on $5,000 cash alternative. Where is the equality? Where is the rationale? People in the MAGA movement, ladies and gentlemen, the people in January 6th, they're not the threat to government. Conservatives, Republicans, the Trump people, they're not the threat to democracy in this country. They weren't the ones who weaponized the government against a former president. And I'd be very honest, I must tell you, that I don't believe, for all his stupidity, and I can't stand the man, I don't believe Joe Biden ordered any of this because I don't believe Joe Biden knows he's alive. Joe Biden is seriously suffering from dementia. And as corrupt as Joe Biden is, and he is corrupt, this sort of thing was never in his playbook. In fact, some of his crime bills, anti-crime bills, were more hard-line than some of the stuff coming out of the Republican side when he was on the Judiciary Committee. No, but this type of thing is directly out of the Obama's playbook. They're the ones who are responsible for this. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And I'll leave you with this. The MAGA Republicans, Trump, conservatives, independents who want to see the United States restored to a system where justice is truly blind and where people can live in freedom, where political correctness is thrown on its ear, they're not the threat to government. The people who allegedly stormed the Capitol at the behest we now know of certain undercovers from the FBI who encouraged them to do this, they're not the threat to government or democracy. The biggest threat to government and democracy are the people you see, by and large, in the mainstream media every night. The people you see running the government bureaucracies and especially the 545 pathetic people that sit in the upper and lower chamber of Congress. Because with the exception of a handful, and I mean maybe a handful, maybe two handfuls that I can name out of the 545, they're all worthless. They're all part of the swamp. They all need to be removed. The notion that in a country of 335 million people, ladies and gentlemen, that these 545 fools, many of whom could never get a job or hold a job in the private sector, are the most qualified people to do these things and are indispensable is insane. If I could pick one thing, one political wish that I could have, that can help us to extricate ourselves from the situation we're in. I'd want term limits for every U.S. senator and term limits for every U.S. congressperson. Only then could we get this old guard, this closed shop, this club thrown out of office and truly put government back into the hands of the people. For the Jamie Dury Show podcast, I'm Jamie Dury.